This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast that takes a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week, we're catching up with three generations of women's basketball players and coaches, all of whom are part of what is quickly becoming a remarkable season for Bates. Plus, we chat with a pair of squash players and track athletes who secured victories over the weekend. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The Bates women's basketball team is 14-2 and 3-0 in NESCAC play after an undefeated week that saw the Bobcats beat Hamilton and nationally ranked Amherst in convincing fashion at Alumni Gym. Our female Bobcat of the week is sophomore center Elsa Delario, who was also named the NESCAC Player of the Week, averaging 15.7 points and 9.3 rebounds per game over the three contests. She is having a terrific season for Bates, but that's just the start of this story. For the origins of Delario's basketball success... You have to travel back to the 1980s to win her mom, Maine Basketball Hall of Famer and Bates Associate Director of Athletics, Adrian Scheibels, first came to Bates as a student athlete. Scheibels, Bates head coach Allison Montgomery, and Delario join us this week for an interview 30-plus years in the making. Well, this is a really fun Bobcast interview. We've been waiting a while to do this. We've got Adrian Scheibels, Alice Montgomery, and Elsa Delario with us here on the Bobcast to talk about some legacy, you know, here at Bates and how it eventually led to Elsa being named NESCAC Player of the Week this past week. <laughs> uh, we'll start, Adrian. Um, we talked before on the Bobcast, but, you know, when you came to Bates, uh, you were a 1,000-point scorer. You played for Marsha Graff. You told me that Marsha really kind of inspired you to become a coach. Tell me a little bit more about that, how you first got into coaching once you graduated from Bates. Yeah, I didn't um... – even consider coaching as a career option. I had all male coaches in high school, so when I got here and had a strong female role model to look to, um, it was the first time it occurred to me, hey, I could possibly do this. Um, But from there, she actually pulled me into the profession, um, took me with her to camps and clinics, um, and on the road to um, a yes clinic in one of the final fours, which is really exciting. So you know, I credit her with, with um, me transitioning into coaching. And how did you first break into it after you graduated? Well, I was a volunteer assistant. I was actually working a, a, as a paralegal in Boston and started volunteering at Babston. Mm. And from there, I went to Colby <laughs> for a couple of years as an assistant before grad school. Um, you know, it was a process, but I was, you know, fortunate to land that first head coaching job early. And then by 2008, you became the head coach at Bowdoin. Yes. How did that opportunity arise for you? Yeah, I want to give some credit to Steph Pemper, um, who coached Allison at Bowdoin. Right. Um, she called me when she decided to go to the Naval Academy and said, you should apply. Um, and at that point, my husband and I had made other plans, honestly. Um, he had just signed a contract, and she sort of said, you know, contracts get broken all the time. This is a once-in-a-lifetime I'm lucky to have a very support, supportive partner. Um, and so, yeah, and I was very lucky to get that job. And so one of your first hires was Allison Montgomery to be your assistant coach. How did that develop? The first hire. The first and hire. And the best hire. <laughs> Great story, actually. You know, as soon as I saw her resume come through, of course, you know, her name preceded her and her reputation at Bowdoin was just immense as a player and a student. And so... Um, when she came to campus to meet, uh, you know, I knew I had someone just really special that could help me transition to her alma mater in a very, 
seamless sort of way. Um, but as soon as we sat down to talk, you know, felt instant connection. And then I don't know if you pulled out the or you just talked about apparently I was a coach of hers at the mm-hmm. UMaine um, Black Bear Camp way back in the oh, day. Right. And um, so that's pretty cool. And we just connected right away. And I knew that um, she was someone special that that could really help support the student athletes and myself in a dramatic way. Okay, so then Allison, uh, you told me off air you weren't even planning on being a coach. So uh, what uh, prompted you to want to come back to your alma mater, Bowdoin, and work with Adrian? Yeah, I was, after I graduated from Bowdoin, I was pursuing a master's in social work, which I do say that I use all the time as a coach, even though that wasn't part of the plan at the time. And then I think just being out of college athletics for a couple years, I mean, I knew what a valuable part of my life it was and how much I loved it and valued it, but I didn't really realize it till I didn't have it anymore. And so I think just what um, competition brings to your life and really like culture creation within a team, I think the ability to be really present in that, I missed it so, so much. And um, so I feel like when that transition happened at Bowdoin, both because of how important that experience at Bowdoin was for me as a college student athlete, and I felt really motivated to want to try to impact others in that way but then um when adrian got the job i was even more excited just because of both having like she mentioned (laughs) um like i had had some connections with her i still have the um the little like evaluation sheet that you get at at camps that Adrian filled out when I was a middle school student. Um, But, but also just knowing of her and her path and her career and where we kind of have similar backgrounds from small towns in Maine and that sort of thing. So like, I was just really even more excited about that potential. Um, But even then wasn't really sure what that path would, would lead to like if I really would pursue coaching as a career, but um, obviously we are sitting here now. So, so you held on to this little evaluation form from the (laughs) university of Maine basketball camp that Mm -hmm. you obviously were very excited to learn from Adrian back there in middle school. Tell me a little bit more about that camp, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think like as a young, a young girl, right? Like Adrian kind of mentioned just having those female mentors that you kind of watched and you could be inspired by and could, could see yourself in and could imagine that sort of path for yourself. And um, when I was young, those were like the Palumbo days, uh, Joanne Palumbo McCauley at UMaine and, you know, Cindy Blodgett days. And they they were like really, really great programs. So I grew up going to those games. And so those camps um, were a really, really fun experience for me um, every summer. And like I still tell our players now or the campers that come to our camps, like when we went to camp, it was week long and you didn't have your cell phone and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, that's not a story. So, um, yeah, so that was just a cool, like I loved going to those camps and, um, just being surrounded by like strong, talented women who um, were making a really big impact in college, impact in college athletics. All right, so you come to Bowen to work with Adrian, yeah. and at that point, Elsa is. Yeah. How old are you at that point? Two thousand eight. Four. Four years old. So you remember Elsa as, as, as a little kid. What are your oh, some memories sure of her? Sure do. Sure <laughs> do. Um, well, I think like you know, starting my coaching career and supporting Adrian as an assistant coach, like. That experience for me really, really inspired me in a way to think like this is something I could really do and I could have the balance in my life and sort of what I imagine as my future. I don't think I'd really had I'd really seen that play out in a way that felt realistic for me. Um, So being able to like support Adrian, not only as an assistant coach, but sort of. Um, seeing her manage all the things that she was doing really well in terms of having her two daughters and her family and that being a really important part of her life too. Um, So yeah, it's really funny. Like what a, 
What a journey to to kind of start there and um, watch Elsa and her and her sister Maddie grow up and watch Adrian and her husband sort of manage all that while also like pursuing a really really amazing career in coaching um, that really inspired me, but also gave me the platform to understand like I could do this too if that's something I'm passionate about and I could be really great at both. Well, Elsa, let's lead to you. For those who can't figure it out yet, you are the daughter of Adrian Shavels. Uh, <laughs> what's it like growing up uh, as a coach's daughter around a basketball program all the time and being interested in the sport yourself, I'm sure? Yeah, I really think it's why I'm here today. Um, just growing up around that team, they're all like such great role models to me, just seeing such strong women and the coaching staff too, obviously. So it was just really um, great to be around. I would go watch the practices, all the games, and it just really inspired me to want to become a really good basketball player and just compete at that level. You were four, five, six when she was at Bowdoin, but mm-hmm. do you have memories of Allison as assistant coach there? I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just, I mean, I've trusted her since then, so yeah, that's that's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, when you're coming to, you know, choose colleges, was it a no-brainer because uh, who the head yeah, coach was? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I think we talked about this before, but, AJ, maybe you could give your perspective. How much coaching was there of you to Elsa when she was growing up in terms of basketball, or were you focused mostly on your Bowdoin players? <laughs> uh, mostly focused on the Bowdoin players. Yeah. I did coach Elsa a little bit in AU, but, um, you know, we, I had – other people that I was coaching with and sort of, you know, I I would talk to them and lean on them as far as, you know, I think she's going to be more receptive if this information is coming from someone other than mom. Very Uh, true. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And as she got older, I stepped back and made sure that she was really driving the bus on, you know, on the whole basketball thing and, and bringing her passion versus me pushing in. And I didn't want her to feel any pressure from me. Um, I wanted it to be her thing. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, when she got to be in the recruiting process, playing for mom was never an option. And right away, it was just, you know, I think she had a real excitement about, about playing for Allison, you know, having seen her coach through the years and knowing her like she did. Yeah, Allison, was this the easiest recruit to land ever? <laughs> oh, I know. It's a funny question. I mean, recruiting is hard no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wouldn't really say that. I mean, yeah, I think there's there's obvious, like, connections there that yeah. really, like, that really help that. And there's so much that you're trying to build in the recruiting process with families and with recruits that obviously, like, we had a foundation, a pretty strong relationship Um with Elsa and her family. So of course, like that's really built in. So that is a big part of it. But I think also for me, like, you know, you know, in a obviously very different way than Adrian's talking about in terms of having that mother daughter relationship, like you also want to feel like, you know, that, um, any recruit, but definitely a recruit that you have, you know, some sort of relationship with that they're really, you know, feeling like they're making their own choice and their own path. And, you know, although it wouldn't be a decision to play for her mom, right? Like we just talked about, she grew up around um, following and watching Bowdoin very closely, it being a really, really obviously personal part to Elsa's life growing up. And so, you know, I also wanted to be sensitive to like, maybe she wants kind of a different path that's a little removed from this league or something that feels so close to it. Um, so, you know, I think, yeah, there's parts of it that were, you know, I know on my end, it was a complete no brainer that, um, I would want to support Elsa to be a Bates if where she, where she wanted to be. But I also wanted to have that balance of like, you know, really allowing her the, the opportunity to kind of pave her own path. 
And also, what is it like, you know, playing now for Allison after having, you know, known her previously and everything? It's great. I mean, like I said, I've trusted her since the beginning, and I feel like she's just given the confidence I needed since last year, um, especially since Brie, like, tore her ACL and everything and having to kind of, we all had to step up a little bit. Um, yeah, I was a little nerve-wracking as a freshman, but um, she's really, like, helped me um, especially get to where I am today and just keep building my confidence every day. Yeah, I think we've talked about this before, but, I mean, Brie, you know, injury was really unfortunate in the moment, but for you long-term, it set you up to get a lot of valuable experience, right? I mean, what were major lessons you took away from playing so much as a first-year last season? Just definitely adapting to, like, NESCAC play and college play in general and playing with great players like Megan Graff, obviously, but um, everyone else on the team, it really helped me, like, um, just get a lot more experience and yeah also just playing against a lot more stronger bigger posts in general I think it's gotten me a lot stronger and Mm -hmm. prepared me for I mean last year too but especially this year I think well Adrian take us back when you were playing at Bates (laughs) how would you compare your playing style with Elsa's mine and Elsa's yes oh Elsa's way better (laughs) I Sort of, uh, I was just a role player. I was expected to play defense and get rebounds, and I loved that role. Um, but actually, I had some teammates in the crowd on Saturday, which was really fun. And um, my point guard, Amy Shog, who thousand point score and amazing point guard, we were just all four of us, but especially Amy and I were talking about how much better this generation of Bobcats is than w- where we were at, and just how much fun they are to watch. I mean, this iteration of the Bates team is just so selfless, up-tempo. Um, the defense is so gritty, and it's just a joy to be in the stands and witness it. Excellent. And I'm, I mean, Allison, I'm just curious in terms of, you know, Elsa as a player this year, really, I mean, especially the last few weeks, just, you know, some dominating performances. I mean, what have you seen from her that has made her such an effective post player? I think she just spoke to it. I mean, in terms of her mentality and how she's starting to see herself and what she expects from herself. I think she also just spoke to it too, right? That when she came in as a freshman, um, she was put in a position. She was like thrown into a position really yeah. um, to have to learn a ton along the way. And I don't really know that I've coached someone who ha- like has learned so exponentially fast and just like every single time she plays, she gets better. Um, but I think Elsa is, uh, you know, along with a lot of women on our team this year, like one of our important values is empowerment. And when I think about that, I really think about th- how our culture is trying to get them to to truly like make a decision about who they want to be and the type of player they want to be. I think so often, um, I mean, this, I think this applies across context, but like in, in, on our team, like I just think you can get caught up in thinking there's, there's so many things that you don't have control of um, and um, a really, rig- really big element, I think, especially for young women as they're developing and um, trying to impact on the court. Like it's, I, I don't even know what percentage I would say is confidence. I mean, <laughs> ninety-five. Yeah. I don't know. Like, there's obviously right, like a real, like you have to have a certain level of talent for sure, um, and just athleticism. But you can just see their their ability and their 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 
potential to perform, it just fluctuates so much with how they see themselves. So I think this group does a really amazing job of pulling that out of each other um, and um, just demanding a lot from each other. I think like I'm just so amazed every time I raise the bar, like they meet the standard, you know. And so I think it's been a good lesson for me, too, that you just you got to keep um, raising that ceiling because they'll meet it. So um, and I think Elsa's done that. Like she's made that decision, too, um, about you know, how, how good she is and how good she can continue to be. Um, and I just really harnessed it. And the cool thing is like, I just keep seeing that trajectory, like going, going higher. I don't, I don't see a ceiling there. And I mean, I recently met with Elsa and I was like, you should really be thinking about yourself as an all American basketball player. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I, there's no, there's no sort of boundary to what you can do. And so, and I think she's someone that has an understanding of like what that involves. It's, it's really, really, it's a lot of work. But um, so, yeah, I think it's just a decision she's made, basically. Well, I mean, speaking of that, also, are you excited for your matchup with uh, Russell on Tufts this oh, weekend? Yeah. <laughs> speaking so of All-Americans, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, super excited for that game. Again, we're not satisfied. We want we want to be the best. So, You mentioned A. Rose, you know, one of your teammates. You're number one in shot blocking in the NSCAC. She's mm-hmm. number two. What's it like having another player to also, you know, swat some shots away with you? Like, what's that I dynamic mean, like? It's great. Sometimes in practice she'll even swat my shot, I mean, a couple times. <laughs> but um, she's just such a good defender in games. Like, she's, I think, in the past couple of years, she's had to um, play against bigger posts, like, when we – when they play big so it's just great to see her confidence on defense adrian i'm curious you know you get to watch these (laughs) games as a fan kind of right yeah Yeah. when you're watching the game do you still have your coaching hat on like in your head kind of like oh let's do that or do that or are you you able to completely lose yourself as a fan in it i mean of course there's always going to be some element of having the coach hat on but but um i'd say largely i'm just able to step back and enjoy it and be that spectator and that proud parent. Um, I mean, it's every parent's dream to see their kid go to an institution, um, excel in the classroom, um, have the best experience with a bunch of great women and a phenomenal role model coach. I mean, it's every parent's dream and, uh, you know, to see their child just flourish in this way. And so um, Kirk, her dad and I, we just, we sit there and and um, are just in awe of, of this experience that she's having at Bates. And Allison, I mean, this, you know, it's kind of embodies sort of the women's basketball program at, at this moment in time. It seems like, you know, it's very close together, close knit, um, lots of support within the program, but also, you know, from the community at Bates in general and from the city for that matter, really. What's that been like for you as a head coach to see this develop since you first your first year in 2015? Because I've, I've certainly seen it develop myself just as, you know, mm-hmm. relative outsider, just the, the increased support and the increased, you know, community around it. Yeah. Oh, you're an insider, Aaron. Okay. <laughs> um, it's so it. I think my perspective on it. I really like roll in and out of this perspective of being so immersed in the tunnel. Yeah. Um, of focused on what we're trying to do and trying to put our team in the best position to this balance of having a really, really dynamic, great experience, but also achieve excellence in terms of what we're performing. So I think I go in and out of, I'm just like rolling down that tunnel mm-hmm. of being really focused on it, but um, try to be as present as I can to take, to kind of slide in and out of that and to have perspective on it. Um, obviously just like tremendous amount of pride and um, just so grateful for the women I've coached over the years. Like even, you know, as we got the program going I mean, we have alumni weekend coming up and 
it's one of my favorite weekends now that we've got that going with alumni that I've coached because I can just look at each one of them and think about the way they've contributed um, to create a program where I think, you know, more than having success on the court, just like the culture that we now have, um, that we have the most pride in. And I really think we continue to pour into that, like outcomes happen for you. So this team in particular, I, you know, I'll be honest this year, I am taking a lot of moments where I just, um, exhale and I blink and I say like, this is a really, really special year. I think coaches say that all the time, but there's so much that's unique and special about this specific group. So, um, it's just it's it's really really cool. I mean, we had a moment at Con College this year where one of my most favorite moments I've had coaching like after the game because I was overcome with this feeling which I expressed to them which was like you guys didn't even need me today. <laughs> like you just did that. You did it together. You you didn't need me to get on you. You didn't mean to tell you what to do. You didn't and um I like I almost liken it to parenting, right? Like where you're just like when you step back and you're like, oh my gosh, like they didn't need me in that moment. So that's that's really cool. And that's when like you're like, ah, oh, this machine is running and um, the women are doing the work. So it's cool. Yeah. Also, where do you kind of see that coming from from a player's perspective in terms of this group dynamic that seems to be so strong this year? Mm-hmm. It's just been so fun to play with all of these incredible women. Everybody is 100% bought in mm-hmm. and we all have the same goals. We all want the same things. Um, I feel so strongly everyone is so good and um, we all compete so well um, in practice and in games and um, we just play together which I think is the most fun about being with this team. Excellent. Well, part of my job is to look at the NESCAC standings, and right now it says Bates is 3-0 and and Bowden is 3-0 and <laughs> in NESCAC play, and Allison as a Bowden alum who had many you know, showdowns with Bates through the years in the mid-2000s. Is this almost like a throwback for you? <laughs> oh, I know. It's funny. I don't even know how I think. I just think about my my time as a player, my experience at Bowdoin. I think about it as just like a totally different <laughs> reality than uh-huh. what we're in now, honestly. So I don't even really compare that. I think mm. like I just um, always want us ready to compete with all the really, really talented teams in the league. Um, and I think, again, sort of like I just talked about with how what I think it really is really important is to get our women individually to think of themselves in a certain way. And I think I've been striving for a while now to get um, just our program collectively to think of ourselves in a certain way. I don't really care about how other people think about us, but I think that could be nice too. Um, <laughs> right. If we're consistently a part of the conversation about, you know, who who's expected um, to have a really excellent program. So, yeah, I think – Sure, we're um, – I know we got St. Joe's tonight. That's what yep. I'm thinking about. Um, but, you know, I think, sure, it's – we set our goals very clearly. I think Elsa just spoke to it. Like part of what makes our, our team really, really great this year is that there is a true, genuine commitment to these same goals, and we just have a few of them. Um, but, you know, obviously one is that we want to compete for a championship and we want to go deep into the postseason. So um, they've understood what that meant has meant, and – they're really going after it. So the way I look at it is like anyone who's standing in our way, um, whether they're in our conference, out of our conference, they've, they're undefeated. They've got a couple losses. None of that matters. Like they're just in our way of what we're trying to do. So. Yeah. And and Adrian, you've obviously coached a number of great teams um, in your time, um, you know, at Bowdoin prior to that as well. But I mean, looking at this Bates team from, from your perspective now as a fan, if you were a coach, would you be uh, pretty nervous to have to face them? (laughs) Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. They play with such tenacity and confidence. And like I said before, they play together. 
Um, so yeah, I, I would be super nervous if I were the opposition, but I'm not, I'm in the stands, (laughs) cheering them on, um, and it's a great place to be. Excellent. Anyone want to share any of your thoughts on, you know, this season so far, anything we wanted to mention that we haven't got to talk about yet? Get those listeners out to alumni gym. Yeah. It's, it's the best place to see a game. Like get those, we need some students out there. Um, yeah, I think it's just, there's no way you're not going to have a great time if you come watch this team. Um, play. I know a lot of people too have the pleasure of watching online and hearing your amazing commentary. We all watch the games back so that we can hear your commentary. Um, but yeah, I just think come check it out. All right. Well, Alice Montgomery, Adrian Tribals, Elsa Delario, uh, lots of uh, great legacies and history being built here in Bates Women's Basketball continuing this season. Bobcats are, are at St. Joseph's, as Alice had mentioned tonight. This is Tuesday, and then Saturday afternoon, everyone should be at Alumni Gym, 3 o'clock, I believe, right? Against the Tufts University Jumbos. Thanks so much. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you. The men's track and field team won their first meet of the new year, scoring 206 points at Brandeis on Saturday, outscoring runner-up RPI by 32 points in the nine-team meet. A number of Bobcats turned in strong performances, but first-year Seneca Moore stood out. He won the 60-meter hurdles in 8.66 seconds in his collegiate debut, the fifth-fastest time in program history. And Seneca Moore is our male Bobcat of the week. Well, Seneca, your first collegiate track meet, 60-meter hurdles. Um, Obviously, you finished fifth-fastest in Bates history. Take us through the race um, and how it went for you. Yeah, so um, when I showed up, I just uh, expected to go out there and dominate. Uh, that's always my mindset. Going on the track, you know, I got to have my, my track drip, got my glasses, show intimidation. But, um, yeah, once I lined up, I just I was ready to go. Great. And then um, when did you start, you know, competing in hurdles growing up? Uh, I can't even remember. It's been so long. It's been since, like, I was half my size for sure. So when you decided to come to Bates, I know obviously you were recruited for football, but um, was track and field all something you wanted to also compete in? Yeah, so that's part of the reason why I came. Um, they said that I could do both, so um, I was like, bet. Um, I can't really do football without track. Gotcha. So give me a, compare a football game day to a meet day for track. <laughs> so definitely, I think football I'm a little bit more nervous just because um it's there's more people that you have to depend on and it's like a team sport but with track it's just me and just my numbers so I can go out there and be confident great and then tell me a little bit about how you first got into football I guess growing up also yeah um it's kind of a funny story um I guess what influenced me to start playing football was uh Odell Beckham Jr um he made that one-hand catch, and I was like, I want to do that. So ever since then, I've been playing football. Started at receiver, bounced around a couple positions. Now I'm at QB, and that's where I'm going to stay. Yeah, so when did you make the move to quarterback? Uh, Like in junior high. Okay. Um, that's when I seen like Cam Newton started on his uh, MVP season. I was like, I want to do that. So whatever, whatever I put my mind to, I'm going to do. Did you kind of model your QB game after what Cam Newton does? Um, I think in my earlier years for sure, but now I would say more um, I learned from Lamar Jackson and, like, Justin Fields more and try and model my game after them. Gotcha. And then, um, you know, coming from Michigan, how did Bates even kind of get on your radar for school? Yeah, um, Michigan is, like, 16 hours away from Maine, so (laughs) uh, I got invited to – a Wesleyan football camp 
and after that camp, that's where I met um, Coach Maiden, mm. and he actually got me uh, linked in with all the coaches here, and that's where that's where my base journey started. Excellent. So going back to the hurdles a little bit, I know um, you're fifth all-time now, but I imagine number one is on your radar, right? Are you looking at the record books, thinking you can hit that this year? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, coming here, that was on my mind, number one. Uh, high school, I ran like uh, 8.35, okay. which beats uh, this record, so I'm for sure coming for it. So this was just a warm-up for you, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And then are you only going to be focusing on 60-meter hurdles indoor or any other events possibly? Um, hurdles is my main, definitely, but um, Coach Johnson might bounce me around a couple uh, events. Hopefully not the 400, but, um, <laughs> you know, we'll see. We'll see. We're ready for anything. Excellent. And then, um, you know, just in terms of um, – you know, doing the two sports, how's that gone kind of, you know, moving from one season to another? Yeah, um, the coaches have been uh, super supportive. Um, my football coaches and my track coach. Um, the transition is definitely uh, remarkable. Um, it's, it's a little bit harder to breathe indoor air oh. running in track. So, um, and the workouts are definitely different. But, um, yeah, it's nothing Nothing I'm not used to. You don't have to get hit either in track. Right? Yeah, definitely <laughs> definitely don't have to get hit. That's that's nice. Now, there are some football players who are also on the track team already, so what's that like to having some teammates um, you carry over to the new season as well? Yeah, um, I guess it's um, it just ma- it makes me feel more, you know, comfortable. You know, not, I'm not the only one. Um, I think most of them are, like, throwers yeah. and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I think... That also um, offers us like extra opportunity to bond or build chemistry because we're also in another sport. So yeah. Great. Well, any other thoughts on your first uh, collegiate track meet you wanted to share? We haven't gotten to talk about yet. Just know great things are going to be happening soon. Sounds good, Seneca. Thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. The women's track and field team finished runner-up to the host judges of Brandeis on Saturday, and the Bobcats impressed in a number of events. In her season debut, sophomore Carly Civarelli won the weight throw with a personal record heave of 47 feet, 10.5 inches. Well, Carly, victorious in the weight throw there at Brandeis. Um, just take us through the event. Obviously, you get six tries, right, to g- get your best distance. And uh, how to it go from your perspective? Yeah, it went pretty well. So in the first round, everyone gets three throws, and then the top eight go to finals. And so I was first, so I got three more throws. The first few went pretty well. I got a big PR, one meter, um, and then I matched that PR in the finals again. Um, but it was a pretty good meet. The throws did well overall. Um, the men totally sweeped. Lots of big PRs. Um, and I'm coming off of a lower back injury, so it was really nice to still be able to you know, perform really well even after that. Yeah, it's interesting because we talked off air. You're not doing the shot put right now because of that injury. And so what's it like? You're still competing, but also sort of rehabbing all at the same time. Yeah. yeah. So it's pretty busy. I'm doing physical therapy throughout the week, plus practices and one-on-ones with my coach, which is a little extra practice. Um, so I'm still doing heavy physical therapy. So I'm taking the practices a little bit lighter. Um, and like I said, not doing shot put. Um, hopefully I'll be able to get back into that in the outdoor season as well. Well, a PR in your first beat of the year, that's got to be yeah. pretty encouraging, right? Yes, very excited. <laughs> I worked really hard over the summer and preseason. 
Um, so it was really nice to see that even after this back injury, it could come back that well. Great. Well, Danny Kalina is our throws coach. What's it like working with him? Yes, it's really great. He does one-on-ones with all of the throwers, um, which is about an hour extra practice twice a week or so. Um, it's really great. We work technique. Um, he's great in the weight room. Um, but, yeah, it's good. Take us back growing up. When did you first get into, you know, throws events? Uh, you know, when did that first get on your radar something you wanted to do? Yeah, so I actually started throwing my freshman year of high school. Okay. Not earlier. I grew up swimming competitively. Um, and so I started freshman year just with the shot put. Um, and I started disc a little bit. And I didn't start hammer and weight throw until I got to college last year. Oh, okay. So, yeah, brand new, but quickly it became my best and favorite event. Yeah, because, I mean, the technique is much different than, like, shot put, for instance. Yes. So what was that learning curve like coming to college and saying, oh, now it's a brand-new event for me and I have to compete against other college athletes? Yeah, it was very different, very, very nerve-wracking. I was so nervous. Um, but Coach Kleena and the other boys on the team, James, Jacob, they really helped me and the other two girls learn um, the steps and the technique. And it's really thanks to them. Um, that we do what we do. Yeah, I would say track and field is so interesting because you have so you know different groups and the, and the throwers in particular. I feel like are almost its own unique team, like the throw squad, the throws team. Mm -hmm. What's that? What's that group dynamic like? Yeah, it's good. So we, we're all very encouraging of each other, especially in the weight room, um, lifting each other up, cheering each other on, um, and especially on the men's side. There, um, we have a big senior class. There's two seniors. Um, now we have two freshmen. The women were relatively new with the hammer and weight, just with one senior. The rest of us are sophomores. Um, so they've been a great help in leading us. I know we've had Alma Mackick on before, yes. and uh, she's with senior thrower. So yes, what's it like, Alma's been great. What's it like learning from her? You know, Yeah, it's, it's good because not only did we have help from the boys, but Alma just being another female thrower um, has been very helpful with technique and just someone to talk to. Um, Meets and practices are always fun with her. Great. So when you were looking at colleges, what made Bates the place for you? Yeah, so um, I'd be able to throw, which was a plus. Um, I'm from Connecticut, so I was looking for somewhere relatively close to home in New England. Um, and I just liked the community. I walked onto the campus, and it just kind of felt like a nice place, like felt like home. It was a good place for me, and I wanted a smaller school um, with great academics, and I could still be an athlete, so... It all worked out. Excellent. Then, um, you know, obviously this, this was the first indoor meet for most of the um, track athletes this year. And so going forward, what are you most looking forward to here this season as we're getting going here yeah. in the winter? Um, I'm looking forward to just seeing a lot of big PRs from my teammates, great performances. Um, I'm hoping to throw over 15 meters, maybe 16 meters this season. Um, I'm Looking forward to seeing some bit more big throws from James and Jacob. Mm. Um, and, yeah, just excited to be competing again because um, I had to take some time off. I also had a, an injury last year I had to take time off of. Um, so I'm just happy to be back. Yeah, uh, look, are you eyeing that top ten list? Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping next meet this weekend I'll be able to break that. I know, I know, almost right there at ten, yes. right? So that mm -hmm. that's kind of a fun competition within yeah. the team, right? It's nice because we we're able to compete against each other, but also lift each other up. So that's really nice. One thing I've talked with throwers about before is how at meets, 
you're also you, you know you're competing against other you know schools throws from other schools but it's it's a very supportive atmosphere even within that right you know you know uh, uh, maybe a thrower from you know Brandeis or whatever um what's that dynamic like with your competitors from other schools yeah it's really interesting because it's not like any other sport really usually um it's usually team against team everyone's kind of against each other but with throwers we're really all just helping each other out um being like, hey, good throw. Um, pretty much all the throwers are just friendly with each other and know each other from past meets. Um, but yeah, it's unlike any other competition for other sports I've had. I know when they're in the final throw that people get more hyped up, mm-hmm. right? What, what was that yeah, like there? They do. Yeah, it was really exciting. They do a slow cl- clap sometimes yeah. for the boys. Um, just lo- really loud, just really gets you going and excited. You mentioned James and Jacob. I saw, uh, I think James had a PR. Is that right? Yes, James yeah. and Jacob both hit the 17 meter mark, over 17 meters, which was a first for them. So that's really exciting. And now they're both on the top 20 list. Um mm. So and top twenty goes to nationals. So hopefully they'll be able to maintain that through the rest of the season. Yeah, that would that would be awesome for sure. Um, the Bates top ten list is really hard to crack. Yes, for the men's <laughs> side, very very hard because they both have had great performances right. and still haven't cracked that yet. <laughs> but obviously, you know, great history of throwers at Bates on the men's and the women's side mm-hmm. here um, and everything. So yeah, I guess any other thoughts you want to mention about the first meet of the year we haven't got to talk about yet? Um, not really. I just. I want to say we have a lot of great freshmen this year. Mm-hmm. We have just the team overall, such a great environment, um, not just with skill, but just with support um, and camaraderie. Just a great atmosphere to be around, especially with our coaches. They really promote that. Excellent. Well, Carly, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the Bobcast. Congrats again on winning your uh, first weight throw of your sophomore year here. Thank you. Swimming and diving teams traveled to Vermont over the weekend, and the Bobcats swept Norwich on Saturday before splitting a dual meet with Middlebury on Sunday. The men's team was victorious against the Panthers, and sophomore Max Corey continued to show why he's one of the most talented swimmers in the NESCAC, winning the 100-yard freestyle in 45.66 seconds and helping Bates win both the 200-yard medley relay and the 200-yard freestyle relay. Well, Max, we wanted to have you on last week. You're actually our male Bobcat of the Week after um, the first meet since train trip there at Dartmouth, and then now coming back with two meets, one Norwich, one Middlebury. The Norwich meet, you're telling me off air, a chance for a lot of swimmers to do some different events. What was it kind of like to see people do things maybe they're not necessarily used to you know, competing in? It was a lot of fun. It, we, we sort of went in there with the mentality of just seeing what you can do in something you're not used to, um, and I think it was great for a lot of people. Um, I think some standouts to me, John, John Weigel did the hundred breast. He did really well. Um, and it was a lot of fun to watch that. Um, we had some people like me doing breaststroke, which I'm not used to, uh, which was a lot of fun. I didn't exactly break any records, (laughs) but I wasn't planning on it. So it was just sort of a fun meet. It got the, the vibe of the weekend going, um, and it set us up really well for Middlebury. Yeah, Middlebury, the men's team got the win there. You won a number of races. Take us through that meet and how it went from your perspective. Um, that was probably one of my favorite dual meets we've had um, at my time at Bates. Uh, the Middlebury team, I know a couple guys on there. They're they're super sweet guys. Um, we had a lot of fun. And just the whole energy of, of everybody on the team, everybody was, was ready to race because we knew it was going to be a close meet. Um, and the pool, the Middlebury pool, is super nice. So we just had a really great time. The energy was super high. Um, lots of screaming and a lot of really great swims from a lot of people. What were maybe some races that stood out for you just watching or competing in for yourself? Um, on my end, my 100 free and my 50 fly on the relay were pretty solid. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say I'm at 100%, so I'm really happy with the times I put down. 
John Weigel again. <laughs> Hate to talk about him so much, <laughs> but he did really well in the two free. Yeah. Um, normally it's up to me to to get the points in that, but I kind of dogged it, so <laughs> he picked up the slack, which I was really happy for. Well, you're with uh, John Weigel on a relay. You, at least you were at Dartmouth, right? The 400 yeah. medley. Well, you guys won that. That's two weeks ago now. But take us through that 400 medley and you anchoring it, right? Yeah. Um, so we we sort of had a last minute switch because me and John both swim free and fly. Right. So at the last minute, I got put in the anchor spot, and you know I was worried because it's Dartmouth and they're you know they're an Ivy League and they're D1 and all that. But we really whooped them. So I was really proud of all the guys. When by the time I was diving in for that last leg, I could have fell asleep at the wheel <laughs> and we would have won that relay so I'm really proud of all the guys um that led me off in that relay yeah it seems like the, I mean you're a sophomore right and so it seems like there's also a number of first years who are contributing right away and that's gotta yeah. be great to see right um yeah you know I I talked about this last year on the bobcast I knew this was gonna happen right right we've got a really really strong underclassmen um group of guys so you know, however great we perform at, at NESCAX and Nationals this year, it's only going to go up and up and up. So I, I really think we've got a chance to, if not this year, by our senior year, I think we're going to be really, you know, looking at those top three, top two spots at NESCAX. I remember that now. You were telling me you were looking at the times, right, of the recruits yeah. coming in. Yeah, I like <laughs> I like being a little nerdy about the guys that are coming in. And so far they've obviously lived up to it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So um, no meet this weekend, right? Uh, no, no yeah. meet this weekend, and then we've got Tufts uh, next weekend. And Tufts will be a good challenge, right? That's always a yeah. Um, Tufts is Tufts is gonna be is gonna be a big one for me. Um, right now, I'm I'm I've got a bit of a not a rivalry. It's a one sided rivalry. It's just me being jealous of some guy. <laughs> but um, this dude on on Tufts, he's been whooping me for for the last year and a half. So I'm really excited. Looking forward to a good race there. Is that the 100 free? Uh, that's all of my events. 50 oh, every event he's free, he's up against you. Free. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of a, a goal there. To have you beat him ever in a race? Um, I don't think so. No, okay. we we had a really my favorite race ever um, on Bates was the 400 medley relay at Nescax last year, mm-hmm. and you know I touched in 43-7 for for a relay split, and I was I thought I was you know the greatest swimmer of all time. And then, you know, I checked the splits afterwards, and he had me by, like, point two. So, no, he's been he's been walking me like a dog ever since I got here. What's his name? Because we've got to focus on the results. Um, Peter happens. Labarge. Peter Labarge. Yeah, so, Max Corey versus Peter Labarge. Yeah, that's the big one. It's the big one at Tufts. And that's, that's not this weekend, but the following yeah, weekend. The, yeah, the 26th. Yeah, the 26th. So we'll keep an eye out on that there at Tufts. That'll be, that'll be fun to watch. Um, I mean, just a team in general. I mean, you mentioned a lot of impressive first years, but, I mean, we you had a lot of seniors graduate, uh, mm-hmm. really key seniors. And so how, how have guys kind of stepped up who are returners maybe to fill that void? Yeah, um, we we've had some really great performances. Um, I'm sure if you've been keeping up, you've been hearing that Will Dewey's been having mm-hmm. a, a really great season. Um, he he had a great 200 freestyle at Norwich, which isn't something he would normally swim. So it was great to see him getting that. Um, and then just all the upperclassmen are not even just putting down great times, but they're all taking really strong presences in the locker rooms. Um, like you know, preemies pre-race cheers and and all that the the energy at Middlebury was just amazing because the 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 upperclassmen were really taking a strong leadership position and the team has two new assistant coaches right 
Uh, yeah. And so tell us a little bit about them because I know um, I know Emma in particular just 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 arrived yeah. recently. <laughs> um, so Emma just arrived. Um, Angie has also been here. She's yeah. been here since the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Angie has been really great um, keeping the team together, keeping us organized, making sure she she calls me out, you know, a lot. Um, we've got a great relationship. Love Angie. Um, Emma, she just arrived and she's already been going to work. Um, really, you know, helping the team out with their fundamentals. Um, you know, making sure everybody is getting the technical attention that they need. And so, I think with the addition of Emma and Angie, we're going to have a really surprisingly great Nescacs this year, um, despite the loss of you know some really big names last year. So you do obviously a lot of freestyle, um, a lot of butterfly on relays. You tried your hand at breaststroke at Norwich. Will you ever try backstroke? Or is that no. out of the question? Uh, <laughs> I I think me and me and March. I'm sure you know March. Yes. We are him more so. I'll admit I'm a little better than March at backstroke, but we are known for being absolutely terrible at anything that is not the events that we swim. So you put me in the 500, it's going to be ugly. You put me in anything backstroke, breaststroke, it's going to be bad. It's got to be the right stroke and the right distance. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> what what is your favorite event? You know, as I as I get older and maybe lazier, uh, I can't do it anything but the 50. 50 free. Um, last year, yeah. <laughs> every meet I was signed up for the 200 freestyle. I would be crying about it like a week beforehand, and this year, you know, I realized at Dartmouth, even the hundred is feeling so long. So it's it's only the 50 for me. Um, yeah, down and back. That's all. Just down and back. Yeah. Just head down. I don't think you guys are doing this year, but there used to be like WPI meet where yeah, it would be like a 25-yard race. <laughs> I, I've asked about that. Yeah. <laughs> I want it so bad. I think I could throw down some pretty crazy times there. Um, you know, I talked to Coach about putting me in the 50 fly at NESCAX this year. So I'd be doing the 50 free, 50 fly, 100 free which is optimal yardages, something I'm, I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, unfortunately, among the 50-yard events, the only one that's NCAA event is 53, yeah, right? that's true. So is that a real focus of yours, kind of? Um, yeah, that's why I've never really looked at the 50 fly beforehand, right. and it probably, you know, there's only a chance it's what I do at NESCAX, um, but, you know, if I can, I'd, I'd be happy with that. Excellent. And um, I know, obviously, your older brother, Peter Corey, was a great swimmer for Bates as well. How much uh, has he been uh, keeping in touch with you here? I know he, last year you said he, he never reached out. <laughs> has he reached out yet? Yeah. <laughs> that, that was a funny, funny little moment. Uh, yeah, Peter keeps in touch. I think he'll yeah. be at the, the Tufts meet okay. um, cheering me on. It's always great when he and the other alumni are there. Um, it's a little bit of extra pressure on me to perform, um, which is always fun. Excellent. You guys have new locker rooms this yeah. year. I was, uh, Grace Winger said she loves them. What, what are your thoughts on the locker rooms? Uh, massive fan. Yeah. yeah, I'm really, really grateful to everybody who was a part of making that happen. Um, I think it's really great for the team, you know, environment and the mood and morale and all that. You know, they, it was just last year when we would pack 32 guys into the, like, 200-square-feet locker room, it was rough. And this year, you know, we're living like kings. And we, we even got a couch in there. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, big news. Space big, big for a news. couch. <laughs> Excellent. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share on this past weekend, a couple of uh, victories here for the men's team? Um, yeah, I, I think as a whole, I, I was really proud of the men's team. I, I've never felt like we were such a family as I did um, at that Middlebury meet. I'm really proud of the, the freshmen like Nick Danko, Liam, Ben. They sort of swim the stuff that I, I can't even touch. So I'm always, uh, I'm always cheering for them, hoping that they do great. Um, and yeah, just the whole team really came together. I was really proud of them, and I think we're going to have a great season. 
All right. Well, Max, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast, and congrats again on an undefeated weekend for the Bates men's team, and we're looking forward to your big showdown with your one-sided rival there at Tufts. <laughs> All right. Thank you. <laughs> the squash teams had a very busy week with four matches over the course of six days. It ended well with both teams winning at Hamilton on Sunday. The women swept the Continentals 9 nothing, while the men won a dramatic 5-4 to contest, clinched by junior Max Good, who won 3-1 to at the number six position. Well, Max, before we get into kind of your squash background, take us back to this match against Hamilton. Uh, it was 4-4, and you were the deciding match. Uh, at what point did you know that, and how'd it go? Yeah, it was it was pretty nerve-wracking. I had the whole crowd behind me, including my parents who came in from Cleveland, um, my sister who is a senior on the Hamilton team, and also my nine-year-old grandpa who made the trek from Cleveland. I knew really once I just had all eyes on me, I realized that our freshman, Nico, won his match. So, you know, it was big pressure, but also big opportunity. So I was, of course, a little bit of a, like a, a ball of emotions, but definitely excited to perform in front of everyone because I, you know, it's not every day where or every match where you have those opportunities to perform in front of your whole team. Well, I'm curious. I mean, there's a little bit of a family uh, get-together, basically, for you with your sister being a Hamilton squash player. What do you talk to her about who she was rooting for there? I mean, <laughs> like her college or her brother? We're always playing for our college teams, yeah. but then at the end of the day, we like to say we're also playing for Team Good. So um, <laughs> if you, it's funny watching back the video of when I won the match and we're all like, you know, very excited to clinch it. Um, you can see her and my grandpa, they're sitting there and, you know, she's like, doesn't really know quite how to react, but it's definitely a really fun thing having her you know, on, on another college team. Yeah, so this is obviously a very exciting weekend for you. I mean, so when did your parents and your grandfather tell you they're going to come to this match? Was it a long time planning? Because obviously Hamilton's probably about as far west as the squash team goes. So Correct. So they planned it at least two months ago because, yeah. you know, they, they knew that we were going to play Hamilton at Hamilton, and it's about five and a half hours, six hours from Cleveland. Um, and my, my grandpa's made the trek before um, – with my grandma, who um, actually passed away this past summer, so it was, it was a very special thing for mm. him to be there. Um, and he's always been a very big part of my squash career. Always come to junior squash matches, um, and you know, cheering on myself, my siblings, and my cousins. So super special for him to be there. A lot of goods play squash. You started off with tennis. What made you make the switch, and uh, what made you love the sport? So correct. We started the three of us. I'm the youngest in my family. Yep. We started off with tennis, um, and we had a few in coaches who moved away. Um, and then my cousin Lauren, who was also um, a college squash player, she introduced me to the squash coaches at our club. And, you know, right from the get-go, I just fell in love with the sport. Um, at first, just, like, messing around on court um, and then taking it, you know, a little bit more seriously as the years went by. And then it, it became more of a family sport. My dad picked it up a few years later. Uh, so it's it's really nice to have something that we all share. It's interesting. So the, the parent, in this case, took up the sport after the kid. Correct. So Correct. what was that like, kind of almost teaching your dad how to play? <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting. He, I, I love to get on court with him still. Um, it's a lot of fun. There were definitely a lot of times of frustration when we were little and, you know, trying to teach him or, you know, I don't know if, if we were younger and sometimes maybe the points got or the games got a little too close for comfort for us. 
it's it's a really great thing that you know we can all share and then of course my mom is a wonderful cheerleader though she rarely gets on court herself um but maybe one of these days she will has your grandfather ever tried it out he actually used to play racquetball okay yep um so that's where kind of his um his grittiness comes from back back in the day when he played racquetball Certainly. What was the celebration like with your teammates on the court after you secured the win there? I mean, I was, of course, super excited, also very relieved because I knew I just did not want to go into a fifth game. Yeah. Um, I had, uh, I took a loss in five games the day before mm-hmm. against Middlebury. So it was, I was really trying to hone in on that last game. As soon as I won that last point, just like look out to all my teammates. It was, it was, Really just a fantastic moment. Looked out to my grandpa. So it was, it was really, really nice to celebrate that first one together. Take us when you were looking at colleges, because um, obviously you mentioned you know family members played squash, but none of them went to Bates. So what made Bates the place for you for college? So I knew I wanted to be far from Cleveland. Okay. I, I love Cleveland. Um, it's a fantastic city, but I knew I just wanted to be pretty far from home and have a different living experience. Um and for squash, of course, that meant going out east, since most of the the strong squash schools are on the east coast. And then I love the idea of being in Maine. Um, I love lobster. I love lobster rolls. <laughs> I, I can't say that didn't play a factor. Um, and the the thought of being in Maine, you know, a place where there's so many opportunities for outdoors activities um, and just. It's it's a just such a unique place, um, and I was excited by Bates because I've heard I heard that the community spirit was just really unmatched, which I've really found during all my time here, um, and that I would be able to do everything I want to without compromise in any area because you know it's a small school. Tell us a little about the coaching staff because you have obviously Ryan Hergeth as a head coach, and now you have a former teammate. Gerard Singh as an assistant coach. What's that like? Yeah, so Rye's been a fantastic coach. He's incredibly knowledgeable on court. He's really helped me um, improve and switch up a lot of things in my game over uh, the past few years since my freshman year. And then it's really nice to have Juice back. Uh, he comes with a ton of knowledge, you know, since he's fresh out of school. Um, and he also has a lot of court knowledge, and he, he can really relate to what it's like to be you know a student athlete of course he knows what it's like to have to balance classes and practice and matches and to have the pressure that we all face so it's really nice to have both of them so after the past couple of years you were playing more 9 10 now you're moving up a little bit in the line of more 6 7 area for you uh what's that like been playing a little higher level high opponent so far this season correct it's it's exciting um i'm definitely facing a lot of great opportunities to play some stronger players and it does, in my mind, it comes with a little bit more pressure. But at the end of the day, like it's a privilege to feel that pressure um, and to have a little bit of the nerviness that, you know, I have to perform, that I want to perform for myself and, of course, for my team. Um, but then at the end of the day, like, you know, every position, each is important in their own, one through nine, because... You know, it, of course, takes five guys to get that win. Something we've talked about um, a lot. So, honestly, I am i don't place a huge importance on where I'm playing. Um, more just, you know, how I'm 
handling whatever pressure comes with it and the way and how I'm supporting my teammates. In your mind, like kind of going forward this season for the men's squash team, what are some goals you guys have? Um, you know, obviously securing that first win was huge, but what, what are some areas you're looking to, you know, work on for your, yourself personally and maybe as a team as a whole also? For myself personally, I'm really just trying to be more relaxed on court, which mm -hmm. I think I've been doing a better job with, um, and really taking opportunities to attack when I have them. <laughs> Ry will probably laugh when he hears this because it's something we've talked about a ton. Yeah. And more as a team, I just want to see us like pick up the momentum and really believe in ourselves that even though we've faced a ton of adversity this year and we continue to face adversity, we can still take off some very strong teams, which is why our win against Hamilton was was very special um, because you know we've really overcome a lot since the start of the season. Um, and I'm really proud of the squad and, you know, how we rallied together. As a junior, are you taking on a little bit more of a leadership role this season? I think I absolutely am, which is a little bit nerve-wracking, but also exciting, especially because I was abroad last semester. Mm. I came back, and it seems like it's pretty much a whole new team versus when I started my freshman year. And I think a lot of juniors can probably relate. While I feel like I've been at Bates for a very long time, I also feel like I just got started uh, <laughs> right. so it's a little bit scary but I love having the opportunity to you know strive to be a role model for the underclassmen uh, and I've, I've been really impressed with what I've seen from them so far and I'm super excited to keep building where are you abroad I was abroad in Valencia Spain okay were there any squash opportunities there or no there were so yeah. I was shooting to train around five days a week uh, usually it often ended up being less just because of traveling. Um, and I actually trained with a coach who my coach back home sent me up with because um, my coach back home, Marina, is from Valencia, which worked out perfectly. Um, and then I played in some tournaments. Uh, so it was, a, it was a really great experience. And I think it actually ended up helping my game because – I was more relaxed and just to play in a different atmosphere. Um, I think it just made me a, a more well-rounded player. How big is squash in Spain? It isn't huge, but it's definitely more well-known across the country than it is in the U.S. Okay, gotcha. And the, the thing that I really appreciate about squash in Spain and just Europe in general is that it's very much public. So I trained at a public gym, mm. um, whereas in the United States – most of the courts are in private clubs or prep schools, uh, which is it's it's luckily changing. It's becoming more accessible, but it was very special for me to see that squash was a thing. Squash was something that was so accessible and that so many people could enjoy rather than being a little bit more closed off as it is here. Well, I was going to say, at, at Bates, I know the players in the past at least have done a lot of work with Portland Community Squash. Has Have you got a chance to do that? Yeah, I, I unfortunately I haven't been able to work with PCS a ton, mm. but I have worked with the overarching organization, Squash okay. and Education Alliance, a fair amount. Um, I have volunteered for the branch in Cleveland, which is called Urban Squash Cleveland, um, and then I also organized a fundraiser with a good friend of mine, Caleb, um, two summers ago, where we biked from Philadelphia to New York to fundraise for the organization. So it's a very special cause to me. Okay, so yeah, that's a real focus of yours is hoping to make squash more accessible to the general population and not 
you know, be in those confined exclusive clubs. Absolutely, right? absolutely. Very important to me. When did the idea kind of come first come in your mind when did, that you really wanted to make this a focus of yours to make squash more accessible to the general population? So yeah, in high school I volunteered pretty frequently for Urban Squash Cleveland, which is the organization, you know, from back home. And then I, I have this great friend Caleb who I actually just saw he plays for Middlebury. And he was in a similar organization in New York City. And um, we grew up with each other uh, just by him coming to Cleveland for squash camps every summer. Uh, So actually over the pandemic, we decided to uh, build this fundraiser uh, to bike from Philadelphia to New York just to, you know, get the publicity out about Squash and Education Alliance and we end, we ended up doing pretty well. We we raised over fifteen thousand um, dollars, and you know it was the general goal for both of us. I know is to just make squash more accessible and to make it a tool for building community, but also uh, you know for education and just for expanding all the opportunities that it's given the two of us. So is this something you would pursue also after college? Absolutely. In yeah. some capacity, yeah. I would love to. Do you see coaching in your future at all? Maybe. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a good question. I, I do actually, I really enjoy coaching. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy working with kids and, you know, kind of watching development. Uh, so, so possibly, but well, we'll see. One of the cool things about squash that I've seen, at least at the college level, is you all coach each other. Like during matches, like between games and stuff, what's that like with you know with your teammates and everything? Absolutely, it's it's really special. And my take is that you know we can all learn something from each other, even if it's the you know number ten or number nine coaching the number one or vice versa. We can all learn something from each other, especially from outside the court, because with squash, it's really obviously when when you're inside the court, you know it's a box. It's really difficult to see kind of what the obvious choice might be whether it's you know what shot to play or kind of what strategy to carry out but when you're outside the court it's a lot easier to determine that um and plus you know we have so many different playing styles on the team especially since you know we come from so many different places so i think it's a it's a great thing that we we do help each other out um you know during in between games of course during matches but also during practice um you know i've I, I hear guys a lot of times say to each other, you know, I, I think you should do this, like maybe open your racket face a little bit or, you know, I want to see you take the ball earlier. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you're talking to. I try to stress that we can all, you know, learn from each other. Awesome. What are your thoughts you want to share on this past weekend for the men's squash team? I'm just really proud of the squad of, of both teams, men and women's. And I just, you know, I want to keep the momentum going and I want to show everyone that, you know, we can still Again, we can still take off these stronger teams, even though we're facing a lot of adversity this season. And I think it makes the season even more special. It's going to help us grow stronger together. Excellent. Max Good, the clinching victory there, 5-4 win over Hamilton on Sunday. Thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. On the women's side, first-year Navia Gupta impressed at the number two position, winning 3-2 over her opponent from Williams on Friday, dropping to close 3-2 contests to a Middlebury opponent on Saturday, and winning with ease 3-0 on Sunday. Well, Navia, first of all, before we talk about this past weekend for the women's squash team, uh, take us back growing up uh, from India. Tell me a little bit how you first got involved with squash and what made you like it so much. Um, So I was originally a tennis player, and I played tennis for three years, but then I transferred schools, and my new school had a squash court, and they needed players. 
So they said you should try it out. Transition from tennis to squash. What was that like? Um, initially, it was um, a little confusing because the techniques are really different. Um, and it took me a while to pick up the right technique. But I ended up liking it a lot more than like my other sports. And it was a great sport to play because I could play throughout the year without any issues. So, yeah, that's why I picked up squash. How big is squash in India? Give me an idea. Um, squash is actually picking up quite a bit in India. And I would say all the squash players that play at the top level in India are really great. And they're all in really great colleges in the U.S. And in um, Indian squash players are at a very high level worldwide as well. Excellent. And then, um, you know, for you, when you were looking at colleges, what made Bates a place for you? Had you ever been to the United States before? How familiar were you, were you with Maine and, and Bates in general, kind of, I guess? I had never visited the U.S. before, but I knew that the U.S. had a great college year squash um, system, and I would have, I always wanted to be a part of it. I chose Bates because I wanted to study maths and economics, and I knew Bates had some great courses and some great professors, and it was ranked super high. So this was the best place for me to be able to explore myself, explore some different courses while also getting the kind of rigorous academic training I wanted alongside a great squash team. Great. So what's the transition been like, you know, having not been to the U.S. before, you know, coming to college, you know, this first semester? What's when some of the things have gone well? And what maybe some of the things that surprised you and you're still working on? <laughs> <laughs> so um, definitely the first few weeks were a little rough. Um, it was hard. The, there was a like, cultural difference. It was hard getting used to the time zones. and But the entire squash team has been super supportive. And my seniors have all been so supportive and welcoming. And I've, they made me feel so easy, especially my coach as well. And luckily, I was able to find a really good group of friends and it really helped me ease into the entire system. Yeah, I mean, the bait squash program is known for being, you know, very international. Um, student athletes from all over, you know, the world, really. What's that dynamic kind of like? It's been so nice because I get to interact with so many different players from different parts of the world. And surprisingly, we have a lot of Indians on the team this time. Mm -hmm. So I, it, it never feels like I left home. I get to speak Hindi all the time with them. Uh -huh. And um, our new assistant coach is from India as well. So we have a lot of Indians on the team, and yeah, it's been it's it's been so nice having this like huge mix of cultures. You know, it's interesting because India obviously is a massive country. I think it's the largest population in the world. But squash is a little bit smaller community. Did you know some of your teammates before you came to Bates, or did you meet them here? I knew some of my teammates. I I knew my assistant coach before I came oh, here. Okay. Uh, I knew of him, and then I knew Asia when I before I came here. Mm. However, the other teammates I did not know of. Great. And then this past weekend, you had um, three matches. You personally won two of them. Um, you, you had a sweep victory uh, there against Hamilton. And you had a five-gamer earlier in the weekend. I think it was against Williams that you won at number two. So take us to that five-gamer because th those are always battles, right? Right. <laughs> so it was the first match of the weekend. We were playing against Williams. It, they were ranked above us. And, you know, we, we just went in with, like the mentality of like just playing our games, playing our best and giving our all out there. And luckily it worked out for me. Um, you know, in the beginning I was a little, I was kind of zoning out, but then I started to like put myself back together and 
Um, it worked out in the fifth game. Um, it was a battle for sure. It went to the. It was tooth and nail. Um, luckily, ended up coming on the right side. Yeah, it was twelve to ten in that fifth game. So yeah. that's that's for those who don't know, it's first to eleven. So if it goes to twelve, that means it's really <laughs> close. <laughs> yeah, another five game the next day. How nice was it to get a sweep there against the Continentals on Sunday? <laughs> oh, um, it was an amazing finish yeah. to a really brutal weekend. <laughs> Um, it was great to have won both the men's and the women's mm-hmm. team, yep. and it was great to have won both the both the matches. And yeah, we were just really happy as a whole team, and it was a great finish. Excellent. Well, tell me a little about you know what you've been learning from like head coach Ry Hargeth, and of course our new assistant coach as well. Tell us about kind of that dynamic. Um, I think Ry is a great coach, and he always uh, gives me so much of feedback, and he always helps me out with my technique. And especially with, he helped me out with a lot of my game plans, and he is a he really helps me with um, planning out my games and figuring out what I want to improve on as a player mentally and physically. So that's been great, and he's such a huge support, and I can I always feel like I can talk to him, which has been great. Our new assistant coach, I know him, obviously, Gerard Singh. He's been a player here at Bates for four years. So what's it like having someone who's fresh out of college as an assistant now? It's actually really interesting because yeah. he, get, he gets to bond with us in a different way, mm-hmm. and he understands us in a different way because he was a, a player here at Bates, so he knows the ins and outs of college squash and of the college. And especially, it's been so nice. He's been so understanding. He understands my game really well. And it's been really, it's been, I feel really supported with this whole system. Great. Um, so, and also, I'm just curious about, you know, your goals kind of moving forward this year. As a first year here at Bates, what are some things in your mind, oh, I want to accomplish this, or do you not maybe set specific goals, perhaps? I definitely want to work on certain aspects of my game. Mm-hmm. I definitely want to get stronger physically. And I definitely want to get stronger a bit mentally, maybe instill a bit more discipline. And if I could, I would definitely like to work on some racket skills. Mm. But moving forward, my my goal is just to give my best in all the games and stay disciplined. And yeah, maybe get some more wins along the way. Well, you're a first year. You're playing at number two in the lineup. That's you know, <laughs> that's very high. Have you had any um, matches with Andy, our number one? How, how's that gone? Um, <laughs> so Andy is a great player. Of yeah. course, she's she's a great player. Um, she's got some amazing wins in the season. Mm-hmm. And I, I lost pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> I lost three love to her. Um, but it's always such a pleasure playing her. I learned so much from her. And she's a great captain. She always guides me to do what's best for me. And when she coaches me, I feel at ease because I know what I'm getting the right coaching. Excellent. What's it like playing so high in the lineup at, right away? <laughs> um, it's definitely really interesting because I get to play against a lot of players from other colleges who have a lot more experience mm. than me. So sometimes it f- may feel like it's like a, a weakness, but I feel like I get to learn so much from us, from them. So I feel like I'm able to improve faster. I'm able to pick up things that I otherwise wouldn't be able to. So I'm really glad to be playing at this spot. Excellent. What are your thoughts you wanted to share on the weekend for the women's squash team and you know thoughts on the season going forward? I think we've been pushing really hard. We've been training really hard. We just went to Florida for our yep. training week, and we had some really hard sessions there. And the entire team is giving their best every day. We show up every day for each other. And... I'm feeling really good about this season. We have a really strong team, and hopefully 
we get some really good wins. Yeah, I was going to say the Florida trip, not every part of America is like Maine in the winter. It's a little <laughs> different down there, right? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. All right, well, Navia, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. The Nordic skiing teams got their season underway last weekend at the UVM Carnival, finishing in 10th place. Due to weather conditions, the Alpine skiing teams have to wait until this weekend to get their season going, and the Bobcats compete at the Colby Carnival this Friday and Saturday. Head coach Kurt Samard gives us a preview. It's been interesting. You know, we got off to a pretty decent start in November with some training, and we usually race six times in December against a bunch of other college kids and stuff, and four of those got washed out for the women and two of them for the men. And so, you know, with all that crazy rain thing and all that. So it, it's been um, it's been kind of nice, actually, just to have just a touch more time to regroup here this this past week. And so we've had a good week and uh, I think we're all excited, all excited to go and get the carnival season off to a good start. Tell us a little bit about your captains for both teams, the women and the men's team. Yeah, captains, Um, you know, really really good experienced student athletes ski racers um you know just from a team standpoint they they really provide a lot of stability um and you know certainly um they'll they'll be big players you know on the result sheets at our carnivals for sure uh and specifically they are sequoia anstein and avery leonard for the women rob gillis and bo underhill for the men i know rob i think had an injury last year so he is he back yeah, he did a few carnivals, but he was battling uh, a knee last year. You know, and of course, Bo has been been really consistent, good point scorer. Um, Avery, uh, Avery and Sequoia as well. So, I think we're we're in we're in really good hands there. Um, on the boys' side, the sophomore group, well, I mean, the junior group um, is a is a bigger group on the team it's uh, almost half the team uh, are juniors and they're they're really starting to find their way which is exciting so that that's really cool uh, on the women's side um, one of our freshmen Juliet Holt Hoder is uh, has been off to a great start we certainly expect her to impact the carnival result sheet as well yeah all that's you got first years making immediate impact right yes ex- yes totally exciting yes hasn't I mean we haven't it hasn't really happened yet so we can't count can't count our chickens before they yeah. hatch but uh she she's she's been doing well in our early season races excellent and yeah tell us a little about those um early season race, races in December um they aren't carnival races but you're facing very similar competition I think is that fair to say yeah yeah they're eastern cups eastern fist races and uh, you know primarily the field is is college student athletes as well as the top high school uh kids in new england and um you know it's it's not necessarily all the colleges that are in the in the carnival league at the same time you know it might be one of the races it could be three or four of the schools of the 11 schools and another one it's a different one so we we do tend to kind of see most of of the of the competition uh, that we see coming up here in in carnivals but yeah they're you know they are they're good races they're competitive races and um like i said it's been it's been a little weird this year with just not having we ended up picking up a couple of others in early january um because you definitely want that that routine you know a good handful of times before you get into this time of year 
I feel like half the job of a ski coach, if not more, is just logistics. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I was thinking about it on the, yeah. And it's, it's con- you know, constant, you know, just uh, between logistics of, of setting up the training venue to logistics to the travel, you know, all of it. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy, but uh you know, and, you know, we, we often will say after we get done, you know, organizing a logistical plan, you know, we look forward to it all blowing up, you know, <laughs> next week. <laughs> right. Well, Colby Carnival is on his schedule. It's Friday and Saturday. Sugarloaf Mountain. Tell us a little bit about the course. Yeah, really good, really good hill. Uh, Narrow Gauge is the name of the trail. And um, it's, it's one of the great, great ski race trails in, in the United States, really. Uh uh, there was someone that coined it, you know, the, the path to the U S ski team goes through narrow gauge, you know? So it's, uh, um, it's, a, it's a really good hill. Um, it's demanding this time of year, January, which is, you know, when we do car, we race there often early in the year, late in the year outside of the carnival season. But, you know, it tends to be a challenge because of, the light gets a little flat, particularly in the in the second run of the day. So, Aaron, when you're looking at it and you're going, "What the heck is going on here?" <laughs> Probably because it's gotten a little more challenging and stuff. But it's yeah, it's really good racing. Um, it's a little bit of a walk up for spectators, makes it a little bit of a challenge that way. You know, people that ski, it's easier to access. But um, great venue. We, there's some great venues on the on the circuit for sure. Yeah, no Bates Carnival this year, so this will be your only carnival uh, in the state of Maine this season. Um, and but hopefully we'll get some folks out west for the NCAs at Steamboat Springs, though, right? Hopefully, that's, that's right. Hopefully for sure. And you know, a lot of those other, you know, Dartmouth Skiway, those aren't far off the path, and Middlebury is on the calendar. So yeah. there's some good, good traditional places as well. Well, speaking of NCAs, I feel like Bo Underhill has been close, right? Oh yeah, yep. We'll have some kids chasing that. Um, and you know, it's uh it's it's one of those things, it's it's often, you know, there's probably so in the east of all the schools, I think the number is sixteen men and women can go. And once it's all said and done, you know, there's another eight that, you know. If you if you did it all, if you did the whole schedule all over again, it would it would change. You know, it's uh, you you got to have your good day on the right day to have a good day and all that type of thing. So you know, we we know that piece of it, um, but uh, we'll 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 give it a shot. We'll look forward to seeing how it goes. Great. Well, any other thoughts you want to share about the upcoming carnival season? We haven't got to talk about yet. Uh no. I mean, I think uh, you know nothing nothing too major. I mean, I think we're we hope we we hope the schedule just kind of stays pretty smooth uh so we're not moving around but i mean i think we've got we got a great bunch of kids and they're really looking forward to racing and representing baits and um you know they're they're passionate about being a bobcat and um we're proud to you know travel around new england and represent the school and we'll do that the best we can all right kurt samard thanks so much for joining us on the bobcast from wherever you are along the road. Yeah, a little McDonald's parking lot here, yeah. (laughs) All right, Aaron, thank you. All right, have a good one. The track and field, squash, and women's basketball teams are all at home this week. 
with the Bates Invitational taking place Friday and Saturday at Merrill Gym. Find our complete athletic schedule online at GoBatesBobcats.com, and we'll catch you next time on the Bates Bobcast. Thank <laughs> you.